essentially skills that we currently consider like the highest of the high end um, engineering skills, things that really don't make intuitive sense to be automated or automatable, those are gonna be automated very soon. I'm Todd Miller with Isaiah Industries, proud sponsor of the Construction Disruption Podcast. If you're a specialty home improvement contractor, you're no doubt very busy, but you also know how important it is to stay on the lookout for new opportunities. One of the most exciting opportunities today is with high quality and beautiful residential metal roofing. Metal now has a 15% share of the residential roofing market and it's growing each year. At Isaiah Industries, we help contractors just like you across the world incorporate our exclusive and value-laden products into their businesses using our proven systems for lead generation, including our exciting Engage in-home sales presentation and demo. Drop me a note at tmiller at isaiahindustries.com if you'd like to have a conversation about how we can help you get a head start in one of the most exciting and growth-poised segments of home improvement. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. Join us as we explore an industry that is evolving with new products, designs, practices, and technologies. From builders to remodelers to executives, as well as those with outside perspectives, uh, each week at Construction Disruption, we meet with forward thinkers as well as others in the know uh, for the industry who share their unique insights and perspectives. A construction Disruption is created and sponsored by Isaiah Industries, a manufacturer of specialty metal roof and wall systems and other premium building materials. I'm Seth Heckeman, sales manager here at Isaiah. My co-host is our president, Todd Miller, and we're helped behind the scenes by Ethan Young, our content writer, and Ryan Bell, our creative director. So, uh, Todd, we are. Uh, this episode is going to be uh, releasing kind of beginning of the year timeline, uh, wrapping up a difficult 2021 after a difficult 2020. Uh, 2020. Uh, so, would love to uh, get your insight and perspective here on the, uh, before we start and dig in with our guest today on knowing that we're uh, at year end, thinking to the year ahead. Uh, what do you think things are going to look like, supply chain and otherwise, and what, what we all need to be thinking about? Lately, I'm thinking a lot of an acronym. I don't know if this is official or something I made up. Uh, at one point, MOTS, M-O-T-S, more of the same. Um, I'm really not anticipating things being a whole lot different in 2022 and probably even stretching into 2023. Um, you know, every time we turn around as a manufacturer, you know, it seems like we're being hit by a shortage of something different. And, you know, it, it used to be, I mean, you know, if you were short on something, okay, it was usually an item and you could figure out a substitution or figure out a workaround, some way to deal without it. And anymore, it's coming down even to specific chemicals and components that are just shutting you down. And so that's, I think going to continue to frustrate um, much of our industry, and I hate it. I mean, I wish I had better news. Wish I could say that it was going to be all rainbows and unicorns and and everything wonderful in 2022. But I think it's still going to be another tough one. And so I think it challenges everybody to, you know, th there's this term that is now so standard part of our vocabulary: supply chain. And you know that used to be something you would maybe read about in the Wall Street Journal once every five years. It, it wasn't a term you were using all the time, and yet now it is a term that uh, whether you're a manufacturer or a contractor or a distributor or any play, anyone along the, the way, um, you're talking about your supply chain. So I just really encourage everybody, um, no matter who you are out there, even if you're uh, from the design industry, maybe you're an architectural firm or you're a contractor or a GC or a sub uh, or another manufacturer like us, um, 
man, I'll tell you, this is a time you've got to be keeping close relationships with your suppliers. Um, you've got to be in contact with them on a regular basis. Uh, make sure that they realize how important they are to you and make sure that they realize how important it is that they keep you informed of things. And I, I think that the reality is all of us are going to have to look for ways to be creative, um, maybe alternative products, maybe alternative practices, um, maybe on the job site, you know, you've always done things in a certain order, and now you're going to have to figure out how to do those things in a different order. Even something as simple like that uh, may help keep things flowing but I just think it's going to require a lot of thoughtfulness from all of us. Um, we'll make it through, and the reality is, construction is still a you know a huge, huge industry, one point six trillion dollars or something in North America, and growing all the time. and And I think it's going to continue to be very robust. Um, and we certainly don't want to do anything that shortchanges the end result of the product we put out there. And so I think that's very critical as well. I mean, I've said all year, I would not, um, you'll be buying something new this year because of the fear that it, it might have substitute components. Um, but the reality is there's things we're going to have to buy and that isn't going to change in 2022. So um, again, I just think it's going to require a lot of thoughtfulness um, a lot of close communication um, and tight relationships uh, with whoever your suppliers are. Um, do your best to, to make your way through and, you know, maybe look for some creative workarounds here and there. How appropriate to be having those conversations in the context of construction disruption, where we're trying to make advancements, trying to innovate. And, um, yeah, we're always trying to do those things, but now we have no choice. So how are we going to move forward? Right. And, and so often some of those biggest innovations, I, I think really this may go down as being a very exciting time for construction because some of those biggest innovations often happen uh, out of necessity. I mean, you know, they say uh, necessity is the mother of invention or something like that. Um, I, I think we're going to see some of that. So in the end, we may look back on this and see, gee whiz, we really made some quantum leaps during 2021, 2022, 2023, we were forced into them, um, but we made some very positive big leaps. So ties in, uh, though, some may seem indirectly still that conversation ties in uh, very much so with our guest here today on construction disruption, which I'm very excited about, as we are all um looking at all elements of our business and trying to improve the efficiencies and effectiveness and, and thinking of creative new ways. Uh, certainly lead gen and marketing is a big part of that. Uh, who we're going to get in front of, who, how can we best target our ideal customer? Uh, uh, such a key component of the equation uh, regard, you know, in addition to everything else. Uh, so that guest here today is Kevin McH McKenzie, co-owner of Built Right Digital, a digital marketing company catering to the home improvement industry. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Real excited to be here. Awesome. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation because I know many of our listeners are constantly trying to crack this code of effective lead generation on the, uh, the retail level. And a teaser to everyone listening or watching, uh, we are also going to get into some of Kevin's creative ideas, some other value-added services he's bringing his clients uh, along the lines of recruiting skilled labor. So uh, generating uh, leads just in a little bit different of a context, but I know that'll be of, of great interest uh, to everyone as well. Uh, but so to start, Kevin, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, how you got into digital marketing, and eventually how you started, took that and started Built Right Digital to cater specifically to the home improvement industry? Absolutely. So uh, Built Right Digital, we're a relatively um, newcomer to the space. Um, it's my partner uh, and co-owner, Tony Morelli, and I. Um, founded this business as we saw a opportunity to bring uh, some of the real uh, latest and breaking technology into the home improvement space. Um, we're going to talk about it at some length, so I won't spoil it, uh, but there are just really exciting developments and fast-moving developments, particularly in the artificial intelligence and big data spaces, 
Um, and I think those are going to define our, our years of growth over the, you know, probably the coming decade. It's uh, sooner than you would think, uh, knowing that our industry moves a, a little bit, you know, a little bit slower. Um, these, uh, these changes are going to, you know, roll over like a tidal wave and touch basically every aspect of our businesses. So, uh, yeah, we saw the opportunity and uh, uh, just background on me. Um, I've uh, been a handyman. Uh, I'm actually a certified vinyl siding installer. Um, uh, one of my mugs here today, I'm a double-fisted drinker of uh, coffee. I've got my Habitat for Humanity mug. Uh, so cool. I still uh, keep my toes dipped in the, uh, uh, you know, the, the operation side and the installation side. Um, but more recently, I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a thinker in the home improvement space on the statistics side. That's actually what my master's degree is in. Um, so diving into the numbers, particularly diving into CRMs and how to economize and find like uh, opportunities that would otherwise fall through the cracks. Um, uh, that's kind of our value add as a um, uh, an organization of experts who you can bring in and help you with all things digital. That's what Built Right Digital, uh, that's what we help our, um, our local contractor partners with. Oh. Fantastic. That that ability to really dig into the numbers has always uh, clearly distinguished, you know, uh, our customers who are most successful. Um, oh. It's such a key component. And a lot of times having partners who understand the business come alongside and be able to be a fresh set of eyes, a, a well-connected kind of um, networked set of eyes on those numbers would be super helpful. So, so I was... Uh... I was a child of the 80s where it was big hair. So big data is very intriguing to me. <laughs> I want to hear more about this. Yeah, interesting. And Kevin, you know, he's a certified vinyl siding installer. I don't think anyone's actually certified us or would certify us in installing our own products. No, so I, that, I, that, uh, that could be scary we quickly. Can, we can talk about it better than we can do it. So uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but So... In my experience, when we're talking about this idea of digital marketing or website development, any uh, digital marketing firm or web developer, if called up by a contractor or a home improvement company, is going to say, yeah, I can help you with that. Um, and we've had lots of examples and un unfortunately um, frustrating examples of customers getting connected with those firms and, and not having the greatest experience um, and, and not you know, not being successful at, at, at this lead generation piece. So what, uh, for you, what does specializing in home improvement lead generation mean and how, what are some of the differences or nuances that are required as compared to other industries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So probably the, the largest value add um, for my organization is that down funnel understanding. This is where we see, and, and bearing in mind, we onboard folks who work with companies that oftentimes frustrate them. Sometimes they're, you know, they're black hat, they're out and out dishonest, or they're effectively a scam. They just take your money and do nothing. Hmm. Um, so we see this too. And oh man, I hate it. It just, it, it really riles me up when, when you see folks who are effectively misled. Like when you hire a website company, you're hiring an expert. Uh, you're hiring them because you don't want to learn how to do it yourself. Your time is much better invested uh, specializing in the parts of the job that you're talented at and enjoy. Uh, and that's probably not website development. Good on you. Focus on what you do best and what you want your job to be. Um, so in talking to the folks that we bring on to our service, you know, our partners, um, when they talk about the, uh, the services that don't work out for them, um, it's because it's kind of like a, um, uh, a set it and forget it sort of model. Uh, where we say, uh, you know, say it's Acme Marketing Company. Hey, we're going to generate you a ton of leads. I'm only vaguely familiar with the home improvement industry. So I do know they physically need to be close to you. Other than that, I really don't understand what you sell. Uh, I don't understand what you don't sell. So, you know, when you get into a home where you don't close the sale, uh, a marketer who doesn't work in home improvement really doesn't understand what broke down there. Uh, Versus anyone at this table will have an immediate understanding where it's like, oh, you went out on the sales call and it didn't close. Well, I've, I've got a couple guesses on why that is. And I bet it's one of these three. Um, so having that, that insider knowledge of the industry is important um, and only growing more important as kind of the, the tools we have access to on the back end uh, 
in the, the digital sphere. They're really growing in complexity and sophistication. Um, you can target, you know, terrifyingly specific audiences with a tool like Facebook ads. Um, if you don't understand who the ideal customer is, either because you've never been in the industry before, uh, or, you know, you're a digital marketer who's, you know, hey, I do dentists, I do lawyers, like, uh, I also do, you know, I've got a single siding guy. Um, you, you lose out on that, that ability to really benefit from the, you know, the newly nuanced tools that are becoming available, you know, even in the last year or two. Interesting. And I think that, that com, you know, that, uh, the story of that contractor or home improvement company who knows what they're good at and wants to connect with the expert to serve them and, and be their partnered vendor um, is so common. And they're, and they're looking for uh, for that vendor, not having to learn it themselves. Yeah. But in order to kind of evaluate the effectiveness of their dollars being spent and to yeah. evaluate these potential vendors that are out there, they're going to have to have some understanding of what this game looks like. And so if you were coaching a home improvement company who's not working with you, what what baseline knowledge would you tell them that they need to bone up on just a little bit? What metrics do they need to be watching? Uh, how deep do they have to get into Google Analytics that to give them at least a, a comfort level or a red flag on, on how their digital efforts are going currently? So the good news about um, having a really effective digital marketing um uh, wing to your business is you really don't have to understand digital marketing whatsoever. The best way to keep your digital marketing wing productive and honest is to have a really good command uh, of your overall um, uh, sales results and sales goals. If you can communicate those two things seamlessly to your digital marketing team, and your digital marketing team are the right folks where when you communicate it to them, they internalize that and uh, can effectively, uh, you know, advance on your goals. Um, that's what I see our most successful partners, you know, they're, uh, they're in their CRM, you know, they're in lead perfection on a week over week basis saying, Hey, you know, um, uh, our sit rate is good. We're getting a good volume, uh, but rescission has gone up. So are we getting in front of the right folks? Um, if not, how do we improve on that? You know, you can just toss that ball to your digital marketing team. Uh, if they know what they're doing, they can take it and run with it. Uh, but you as the uh, the contractor, you do have to, you know, uh, you are going to throw the red flag up for your digital marketing team. So you have to know how to interact with your own systems, uh, even the technical ones, um, uh, proficiently to do that. Yeah. So if, you, if you're just staying on the top of the numbers in your business, like we talked about earlier, and you know what your cost per lead and your set rate and issue rate, closing rate. Uh, then you you know and you're kicking that back uphill if you have questions you know if you're connected with someone good if they're actually taking the time to understand and come up with solutions Is that yeah good? so um, you know even and something if they say you know set right what's that <laughs> you've got a problem right <laughs> sure yeah and it all the way down into the the weeds like you talked about even if you you know greater finance turndowns you know all yeah. these other sort of metrics who are we getting in front of and are we getting in front of that of that ideal customer that's great. So kind of along those lines, you mentioned Facebook ads earlier, and that that's a question we field a lot when um, from dealers of our products or other home improvement companies that, you know, how if if other companies across the country are finding success with Facebook ads, how are they finding success? Because, you know, they go in there and they put an ad or they boost a post to and they say, you know, I sell. I sell every 55-year-old guy with two kids in a house over 300000 Why is this not generating a bunch of leads <laughs> that I can go in and close? So, you know, there are some incredible targeting methods in there. Uh, how are those best leveraged and what are some best practices for, for Facebook or other social media campaigns? Yeah. And this is often how partners come to us as well. Uh, they'll hear like, hey, my, you know, um, my buddy in town who, you know, I install Windows, he installs HVAC units. He's having great luck with Facebook. Like, I've tried it myself. I haven't had any luck with it. Can you fix this problem for me? I would kind of reframe the issue. My, my overall take on it is that you have uh, a budget for the digital wing of your marketing. Um you want to find of all the digital tools I have access to, which one of these is most cost effective uh, for driving whatever goal I want to see realized. 
Um, for nine out of 10 of our partners, uh, that's an effective cost per appointment. So putting um, cost-effective appointments in front of their in-the-home sales team. Uh, now, that often doesn't mean spreading across a bunch of different platforms with little budgets. It's actually more efficient to focus on one platform that you get really, really good at. Um, and essentially, you max that one out, and then you move on to the next one. Uh, so that's that's my long-winded way to approach. Uh, that's how I look at Facebook. So I would tier your um, advertising efforts just on a raw cost per appointment basis. Um, and you do want to factor in, you know, sunk costs, uh, like a lead that's harder to get a hold of is actually more expensive to you because your phone team is going to be calling that person repeatedly. So you've invested more human hours into setting this appointment. Uh, and you want to factor that into your, you know, your, uh, your ROI calculations. Um, so my tiering would say, uh, and there, there's a philosophical basis for this. It's, you know, it's really, uh, easy to understand. Uh, we typically set up your website. So that's condition zero to success on um, uh, any digital marketing platform. Your website's really the hub of your efforts. We then say, you know, tier one advertising will typically be Google ads uh, or Google local home services ads. Uh, if you haven't heard that name before, uh, give it a quick Google. It is fantastic. It's a really neat new tool. Um, just came out of beta, maybe maybe 12 months ago now? I guess not just Game Automate. It's been around for a brief while. Uh, we see really fantastic results down funnel from that tool. Um, really affordable lead gen and seamless. It integrates uh, painlessly for our clients. I would say tier two uh, would be Facebook ads. And there's a real simple reason for this. So Google ads are effectively interruptive. Uh, so someone searches uh, metal roof pricing, um, that person, we just know based on what they've searched, uh, we've created a, you know, a strategy for all the different searches we can inject your ads into. We know that that one is high value because we have a deep pool of data where we can say, hey, like, you know, uh, if we've run, um, you know, we run $2 million in ads a year at Built Right Digital. So if I have a pool of, call it six to $10 million in ad spend, uh, I can say, hey, when we bid on metal roofing keywords, like how good was this one? Like, should I pay more for it, less for it? Like how valuable is it really? Um, we can leverage those deep pools of data to answer that question. Uh, and we can insert your ad into their already, they've signaled to the advertiser, hey, I'm thinking about your product right now. It's the perfect time to show me an ad and you don't have to worry about, you know, interrupting me while I'm doing something else where you have to really kind of hook me and grab my attention. I've already signaled to you that I'm interested. Facebook is a fundamentally different approach. Um, you're taking folks based on their demographics rather than what they're searching for right now. So you can't inject yourself into the decision-making process the way you can with Google. Uh, now, we may have really strong demographics, like interested in metal roofing. Like, sure, that person would be great to talk to. The odds of them already having a metal roof uh, are relatively low. There's uh, not an enormous market penetration there. So we probably want to put our ad in front of anyone who's interested in this, um, uh, this product. That'll be more efficient than kind of generating the interest with, like, branding awareness type ads. So... You can kind of understand intuitively why those two groups, like uh, setting a lead with the Google folks is easier. So the cost per lead is going to be slightly lower, um, but the closing rate among those leads is going to be right in line with your best sources. Facebook, it's more of a persuading operation. You're not, uh, you're not talking to a pool of exclusively folks who are already interested in your product. Um, there's more uh, more marketing, essentially, that you have to do to those folks to get them to the point where the Google audience already is. Gotcha. That that's really helpful, and it gives a framework for understanding the. You know, it's a very different game between those two mediums, and you know that tiered approach and making sure you're you're maxing it out before you start using spending money on the next one makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, so, thank you for walking through that. Uh, you betcha. That cost per appointment, what are you seeing that on average amongst your clients right now? 
Yeah, so we want to, um, there's efficiencies we want to hit, where these are like kind of industry benchmarks um, for leads that we're paying to generate. So any paid advertising lead, uh, we want to generate um, uh, inbound leads in roughly the $100 to $200 cost per lead range. It's going to vary a ton based on the products you carry. Uh, some products will fall beneath that range. Typically, it's stuff where the um, the sales ticket is lower. Um, you know, insulation jumps to mind. You know, that's closer to like a $50 cost per lead. But it's also, you know, the, the average ticket is it's a four dollars to $5,000 install. Sure. Um, so it all makes sense down the funnel when you, when you consider um, uh, the cost, you know, the average revenue per sale. Um, cost per appointment, my typical benchmark is I want one out of three inbound inquiries to turn into a set appointment for your sales team. That means some portion of folks, even with a really well-optimized campaign, some portion of folks just don't know how to buy home improvement products. They're going to call you. Uh, your very friendly uh, phone staff is going to invite them to book an appointment, and they're going to get mad about it. They didn't realize that they have to have someone out to the home. They didn't realize it's a custom solution. The lead time is a month. Like, hey, I've got a handyman who says he can install it on Tuesday. Like, why wouldn't I go with that guy? So... Based on those glitches, uh, you're going to have um, about a one in three book rate uh, if you're targeting the right folks, if you're going after the right keywords, if you're bringing in um, folks in the correct demographics, if you're using um, Facebook tools. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Real similar to what we're seeing. And I think some people are going listening are probably going to think that's right in line with our campaigns. Some people are going to think man, that's less than what we're seeing now. And maybe we need to be evaluating our, our current methods. And, you know, some people are going to think that's way more than I ever dream about spending on marketing. So, right. you know, it's, and then it, we get into a sales conversation and generating the margin that can really drive growth and take advantage of these, uh, all of these new efforts that are out there. And, and then you have so many contractors that aren't even checking their numbers. <laughs> yeah, and, don't even know what to do. And they'll usually <laughs> give you an answer. They'll usually, oh my goodness, I'm not near that number. But the reality is they don't have a clue what their number is. And typically when you don't know what your numbers are, they're probably not good. You improve what you measure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. That Peter Drucker quote is it's powerful. Um, so digging into the uh disruptive new technology meet that we alluded to earlier. We've had some really uh, cool conversations lately and um, full disclosure, I think Kevin's going to mention it a little bit, but we're working with Built Right on on some pilot opportunities and trying to really figure out um, how these new new tech uh, items can, can change our business. But would love to hear about what you all are doing on the AI, big data side, uh, and how you think that's going to play out uh, how that's playing out currently, and then also out into the future for our industry. So th this is super exciting. Um, I'm an AI enthusiast. Uh, I always waffle on describing myself as an AI expert because my ability to sit down and actually code an AI is pretty limited. Uh, we did uh, hire a team out of um, uh, San Diego, where I guess you could say that I, I led that team uh, of fresh-faced, uh, uh, you know, recent um, PhD graduates. Uh, from their uh, from their AI development uh, program, uh, really they were leading me. I, I just walked in. I I gave them specifications. Hey, here's what we need the AI to do. How would y'all recommend we do that? And they had all kind of ideas. Uh, so I can't overstate how disruptive this is going to be. I don't think folks fully anticipate it um, because it's hard to wrap your mind around. Uh, essentially. Skills that we currently consider like the highest of the high-end um, engineering skills, things that really don't make intuitive sense to be automated or automatable, those are going to be automated very soon. Um, this stretches across uh, a lot of disciplines. There's different wings of artificial intelligence, um, natural language generation, so anywhere where you have a writer setting pen to paper, uh, AI has made just stratospheric advancements in the last 24 months on natural language generation. Uh, that's what excites me most. That's my area of expertise, uh, which you may think is strange because I'm a statistician, 
because the next wing is statistics, big data and business intelligence. Um, again, this is uh, this would probably be the highest paid engineer in your, you know, uh, uh, blue chip stock company would be the business intelligence analyst. This is a person who processes all the data for your organization and finds insights from it. As it happens, um, AI are incredibly efficient at doing this job, unbelievably efficient. So much so that we can now do stuff with data that we couldn't even dream of doing, uh, simply because no one could afford it. You would need several, you know, quarter million dollar a year salaried individuals, and they would crunch through the numbers at a human pace. Like, you know, once a month, you would have this stratospheric finding that changes your business. With AI, you can surface those opportunities at light speed. Uh, uh, again, we can't overstate how impactful this is going to be for particularly the largest companies in our space. The folks with the most data in their own hands, it's going to be enormous. Um, but we also shouldn't count out the little folks uh, where, say, I'm a 100000 uh, to a million dollar contractor um, and I'm a local installer. If I work with the right providers, my providers have access to those deep pools of data that I was going to use the word weaponize. That's the wrong word. They can, uh, what's the opposite of weaponizing for like a utility? They can make a tool for you from that deep pool of data where you can effectively imitate what um, the power players in your industry are able to do from their own data. Um, you're almost like um, uh, making a conglomerate. You're co-marketing with the other folks who work with that organization just by pooling your data together. You can do really exciting stuff there, um, finding your uh, ideal customer, finding your industry's ideal customer. So let's say we sell metal roofs, for instance. Uh, if we have a group of 100 metal roofing companies, uh, you're limited in what you can do with, you know, one metal roofing company might have installed 1,000 um, roofs, 1,000 projects or homes. Um, but if you have 100 and each of you have installed, call it their on average smaller businesses, let's say they've all installed 500 metal roofs. When you aggregate that data, you can pull really interesting insights out of it uh, automatically with these uh, with these new and emerging tools in the AI space. Well, one thing I heard there, so uh, Ethan Young is one of our <laughs> behind-the-scenes producers. He does a lot of writing for us. Uh, the robots are coming for your job, Ethan. Sorry to tell you that. <laughs> the robots are coming to promote you. The there folks you who are writers right. today, they're going to be editors tomorrow, and they're just going to be editing for a team of algorithms. They're going to have algorithms right in the paper, and they just make sure it reads right. That's, that sounds really good, doesn't it, Ethan? Yep. Uh, he's nodding his head. Okay. We need to get him mic'd for the next episode. So can you elaborate a little bit on that natural yeah. language generation of, you know, how are you leveraging uh, the ability to crank out a bunch of text? So this is really interesting and really fast moving. Um, just for baseline knowledge, this is going to be super wonky, so I don't, I don't blame you at all if you haven't heard of it. Are you familiar with the GPT model, GPT-2 or GPT-3? Nope. <laughs> no problem. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> folks in the AI space geek out over this stuff. So let, let me share this thing that excites me a whole lot uh, that maybe you haven't heard of yet. The reason you haven't heard of it, GPT-2 is a language model. And this is uh, essentially a algorithm, so a computer program that processes large pools of information and uses them to generate new pools of information in the same style. So when folks say artificial intelligence, you might go to Terminator 2 and it's like, oh, they, they're scary. They understand concepts like a human. So they're, they're effectively just like an airsatz human. We're not there yet. They do understand grammar. They can create a sentence whole cloth that has never been generated before. Uh, and it'll make sense and they even know how to string together multiple sentences to tell a story. Um, so that just didn't exist 24 months ago in a cogent way. AI tools were garbage. Text spinners were trash. They would generate a uh, text that was either gibberish or super clunky. Uh, today's AI models will generate text that um, it's based on essentially a curated library. 
Uh, so it's every book in, you know, your average library catalog. Um, the robot can quote Shakespeare to you if you ask it to. Um, and it's based off terabytes and terabytes of data that's been scraped off the web and curated. The reason curation is important is you can actually get really evil AIs if you're not careful what you feed to them. They can become just horrible machines that crank out terrible things if you're not careful. So the GPT-2 model, and it's just interesting, the researchers that came up with this, it was a public consortium who has since handed it over to business. The public consortium, you know, this is like uh, all the usual suspects, MIT and Stanford scientists. They said, hey, private industry, we can show you the output of this AI product. And this was um, about a year ago. We can show you the output of the last generation. So this would have been GPT-2, but we can't show you the model itself. It's too dangerous. We just can't release it into the public yet because we can't detect the difference between human writing and GPT-2's writing. You can imagine uh, the scientists were thinking, wow, like uh, if, uh, if a bad actor got a hold of this, they could generate spam that's undetectable by, uh, you know, automated means because it, it reads and sounds like a human and they could do anything they want with that. You know, you, you want to uh, run propaganda in another country, you can do that at scale easily using a tool like this. So the researchers were actually really responsible and they waited until they essentially had the antidote, until they had a system to detect the output, they wouldn't re release it to business. Wow. So that gives you an idea of how effective these AI models are. They really do produce natural language English that's indecipherable from a human being sitting down and writing the same thing. So that's where we're at as of 12 months ago as an industry, and it's moving at light speed. We're already up to GPT-3. Um, these tools are uh, moving faster than I would have expected for um, consumer adoption. So the ability for an organization like mine where I don't have a team of 20 computer programmers or AI specialists. Uh, I have me uh, and my, my great team of about 10 folks. Uh, I wouldn't say any of us are at the skill of those, those, young, uh, those young whiz kids from San Diego. Those guys are the AI developers. You know, We're just the folks who implement this stuff. Uh, so the fact that my team can come in there and make usable tools, that speaks to the thoughtfulness that um, the teams who generate things like GPT-2 and GPT-3, they're building these tools for mass applicability. Um, doesn't make a big difference for your average construction owner today. It's going to make a huge difference for your average construction industry business owner in the next two to three years. Well, that's moving quickly. Yeah. So so I have to ask, so GPT-2, 3... Yeah. Um, four, five, six. Um, could it potentially even pick up on regional dialects eventually? And oh, which yeah. we don't normally write in those for marketing text. We we typically use you know more standard type stuff. But it's interesting to think about what the impact of that could do, and then you know turning text to voice and everything. That's a related technology that's just super exciting and moving fast. That's what underpins, uh, we were chatting before the uh, broadcast about uh, Grasso University's um, ride-along product. To kind of have the sales manager in your pocket. Uh, essentially, an app on your phone is listening to your conversation as a sales rep in the home with a homeowner. Uh, and they're able to, A, turn the speech into text that a computer can understand. So that's an AI process. And then understand that text in the context of, hey, this is a sales conversation. Has this sales rep hit this list of important um, procedural points that we need them to hit? And you can automatically score uh, how well they're delivering on a human process without a human ever listening to the audio. That's amazing. That could not have existed two years ago. That'd be fascinating if at some point that could even, um, you know, if they're going through some sort of a... PowerPoint presentation or some sort of tablet presentation, if that could then in turn goose that and show them, hey, these are the things that you're not hitting hard enough and uh, fascinating to think about where that could go. Right. Yeah. So every time you send an email to someone south in the Mason-Dixon line, it just adds a bunch of y'alls into it. Uh, well, your dream. I don't know if you noticed, I already do a little <laughs> bit of that. 
<laughs> behind the curtain secret of uh, exactly. trying to sell exactly metal roots right. across the country. <laughs> wow, that is super interesting, Kevin. Thank you for the education, uh, for sure. So, what other developments, AI or otherwise, do you see affecting uh, lead gen or, or you know, even beyond for for home and incre- home improvement companies moving forward? So here's a really exciting emerging technology. Uh, so I was just chatting with our friends over at Lead Perfection this morning, um, and they're doing really exciting stuff in the um, uh, artificial intelligence space. Uh, they've recently been uh, supercharged by um, outside investment. Mm-hmm. So I would watch them for certain. If you haven't already considered Lead Perfection as your CRM, I recommend them highly. Um uh, the best of the best in the industry use uh, lead perfection. And it's for reasons like this. They're at the, you know, the bleeding edge of the technology that's going to make a difference for your business um, over the course, you know, the next decade or so. Um, so imagine we all, we all intuitively grasp this. Like we have, if you set an appointment uh, and let's say your canvasser knocks on the door and when the person, uh, answers the door you just see in the home where it's like oh they've got a they've got a stag head over the uh, uh mantle place uh they're a hunter i know jim in the sales office he's a hunter he's gonna hit it off with this guy no problem like these are just you know they're they are peas in a pod um intuitively we know how to do that process um but it's tough to scale right now imagine if we had all the data points that say facebook has uh, about each home that we're visiting. And I think this is the direction the industry is headed. We're gonna have those data points. Um, imagine how efficiently at scale you could assign sales reps to sales meetings uh, or even inbound calls to inbound members of your phone team. Uh, there are incredible ways you can leverage these deep pools of data where a human being doesn't have the bandwidth to understand it quickly enough to act on it but an AI absolutely can. They have a, a terrifying amount of resources for understanding really fine-tuned, number-driven processes. Uh, so you can uncover the uh, the hunter example. That's the obvious example. That's the person you can see. Um, imagine all those hidden indicators. So let's say uh, me, for instance. I'm I'm your classic geek. I look very little like your average home improvement professional. Uh, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I build computers in my spare time. Um, uh, I also do Habitat for Humanity, so I, I like to uh, move in the same space, but by no means am I similar to uh, the average person who I serve on a day-to-day basis. The AI knows that if I feed in, hey, here's you know all the revenue we've generated at Built Right Digital, here's who I am, and here's who the, the person I'm selling to is, they can make totally unintuitive connections where it's like, wait a second, you're nothing like this person, but for some unknown reason that the model can't see, you're very good. Uh, if we connect these two people together, the odds of a successful outcome are really high. Uh, so it can go beyond human reasoning, um, beyond what's obvious or intuitive, and it can pull those insights out of the data, which is just really exciting. You can, you can take a black box filled with numbers and produce great business processes basically without lifting a finger. It's a, it's a technical process. You just, you set the algorithm up and it tells you what to do. Wow. Yeah. That whole, uh, the idea of lead scoring has been around for a while. You know, we bought, uh, we use um, Marketo, a marketing automation platform in our business. I've used them before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, they talked about lead scoring and it just you know we give you a ranking or a rating on on what how the value of this lead which i guess if you're going to prioritize your leads you're going to do it in that order we kind of try to jump on every lead as best we can but uh, that's taking it to obviously a whole nother level and the automation there that's powerful the uh, the the implication for your you know your average uh lead perfection user in the future uh, imagine that human costs we brought up for the Facebook leads or the clear example where it's like, you know, on average, I got to call this person 10 times to get a human on the phone. And some amount of the time they're going to pick up the phone and say, hey, buzz off. I, I don't want this. Um, so you're investing a lot of human hours there to reach that person. Wouldn't it be great if you say, hey, I'm going to give 
a minimal outreach effort to everyone, just like you're doing today. I'm going to call everyone three times in the first week they reach out to me, including one time within the first five minutes. Uh, so we're going to reach out to everyone real fast. But who gets the extended call queue versus who just gets text messages after that? You can say, hey, here's my A-plus leads. You know, uh, we ran a soft credit check or something similar to that where we know, hey, this person, um, they've purchased home improvements in the last 10 years. Um, they've not yet purchased home improvements at this address. So they've got, you know, they've probably got needs that need to be filled. The algorithm can identify all those potential um, exposures, things that would make you more likely to purchase the product that you sell. Uh, and they'll look at your previous customer list and pull out essentially data points that, um, you know, hey, who are our winners here? Who do we want to talk to? Well, if you have a thousand customers, we can just drop those folks into the machine and it'll it'll pull out factors that are in common between them all. Um, so the day is not far off. Uh, in fact, it's in pilot currently uh, where your CRM essentially helps you prioritize your sales stack and your automated sales cadences. Just real exciting efficiencies there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a game changer because we, we know a lot of the largest companies in uh, home improvement companies, retailers in the industry have been, you know, kind of content paying for 18, 20 points marketing costs sometimes across the country because that's what it's taken to generate the leads to feed these ginormous machines. Um, but with the ever rising cost of skilled labor, they're going to have to pick up those dollars somewhere and it's not going to be on the skilled labor side probably. So, you know, bringing up leveraging this tech to maybe get those marketing costs down to recalibrate without just, we can only ratchet up the selling price uh, so far likely. So segueing to, uh, would love then to hear hear about though your ideas and, and resources that you've been leveraging with some clients on the recruitment um, side of uh, uh, the labor issue. So this is really exciting. Uh, I was surprised by how cleanly and how powerfully the strategy came together. Um, I should probably give you folks some, some background. I know we've discussed it at this table, um, but for the audience's sake, uh, kind of our classic conundrum at BuiltRight is we have a really finely tuned, we call them playbooks. So we have a playbook for every sub-industry of home improvement where uh, it typically starts where the number one, number two, and number three goal are generate leads that turn into uh, set appointments uh, and closed projects. Uh, that's overwhelmingly what our uh, partners come to us looking to solve. Uh, so we have a really finely tuned process for uh, every sub-industry of home improvement for what we need to deploy to make that happen. Uh, it's a very data-driven process. Um, the more partners we have in a sub-industry, the better we get at it. Uh, and we are reasonably sizable these days. You know, we have a, a, about 200 partners overall, maybe 175. Um, so we have many folks who install the products that your particular local home improvement company installs. So we have a good idea of what you need to run to generate leads. Uh, the other shoe falling uh, for my business is, uh, you know, our clients are the victims of their own success. Uh, if they're able to generate leads, they're eventually going to hit a bottleneck where, hey, we're we're saturated. Uh, we've got three sales reps. They've got three appointments to go on a day. When I generate a fourth appointment every day, like they, that guy kind of gets short shrift. Uh, he just doesn't have time to field that appointment as well as he fields the other three. Mm -hmm. um, so hiring is naturally the solution to that problem. Like, you know, hey, we're growing. We're ready to expand. Uh, real interesting insight, uh, and I'm sure everyone's seeing this in their own business, 2021 was uh, so simultaneously a very hard year. Uh, you know, we had personal tragedies in my family uh, were mourning. Um, so simultaneously extremely hard, uh, but also an extreme opportunity. Uh, almost every one of my clients has registered a record year in 2021. I put out just a general like, hey, folks in the home improvement industry, just as a poll, uh, how's your year going? Fully 50% of them said, hey, this is our best year ever. And most of the remainder said, hey, it's above average, but you know, we had one rogue year that we did better than this. Um, so phenomenal opportunity. Lots of folks are running into this bottleneck of, hey, everything, we are primed for growth. We're having our best year ever. We just don't know where to find the skilled labor to hire. 
So that was kind of the impetus for us jumping into this sphere and trying to solve this problem. The solution is shockingly simple. It's indeed free ads with a twist. Uh, so I'm gonna talk through the details of how you do this. Don't feel like you have to take notes or anything. I've actually prepared um, a real simple walkthrough video uh, and a, like a, uh, a hiring kit with uh, job description templates and the like. So you can literally just walk through that 10 minute video, follow along and execute this strategy um, uh, very easily. Uh, so that lives at builtrightdigital.com backslash hiring. Uh, if you want access to, um, uh, you know, all the tools you'll need to execute this. The principle of it is really simple. So I was curious why this was. The home improvement industry, folks looking for a job in our industry, they live on Indeed. I wondered why this was. Um, it's kind of the old-fashioned platform, to be honest with you. Uh, it was one of the first entries in kind of the, the digital hiring space. Uh, Back when I got started in the industry, so it's been it's been a uh, it's been a minute, uh, and they're they're the uh, essentially the old legacy provider of job posting services. So why do they appeal so much to the home improvement industry? Uh, I had a couple ideas. I thought like, hey, is it a legacy thing? We're just folks who got into this industry ten years ago. They're just used to this old tool. Then after I ran this uh, solution for our partners. I started getting advertisements from Indeed where they misclassified me, or maybe they correctly classified me. I mean, I'm, I'm a certi certified vinyl siding installer on LinkedIn. Uh, so I look every bit like the ideal job applicant for Indeed. Uh, that, you know, home improvement companies are really looking for folks who look like me on paper. I started getting ads from Indeed. So they're doing these deep data processes where they're mining, like, hey, who is this user? What advertisement should I show this user to make my platform the most appealing? Uh, and where should I show it to them? I get Facebook ads for Indeed that say, hey, you work in the construction industry. We have folks who are looking for talent like you uh, and you can get paid top dollar uh, by working for them. So I'm getting advertisements that draw me in to submit my resume and start looking for a job. Obviously not applicable to me, but I am very similar to the ideal audience for an ad like that. So they're ponying up and they're investing money in making themselves the best platform uh, for the construction industry. I just didn't realize until I, I started seeing the ads personally. So I suppose I, I put the cart a little bit before the horse. Uh, we should talk about the results of the strategy before we talk about the nuts and bolts of how to do it. Uh, like I mentioned, the results were shockingly um, powerful. This is really the only funnel you need for new employees beyond, you know, your best employees are always going to be referrals. Um, you have built-in structures where you then have a mentor for that person and a champion uh, who's just going to make sure they're successful. So referrals will always be the best employee funnel, but limited in how far you can scale it. Indeed gives you the other way into your hiring funnel. Um, we posted up, uh, you know, we post between three to six job listings per month for our clients who are looking to hire, uh, and they get in excess of 100 applications. Uh, I did a bit of a quick analysis of the resumes that were coming in, and I just did a quick um, analysis. Hey, is this a qualified candidate? Do they meet the minimum requirements for the job? Like, do they have two years of uh, installer experience, for instance, if they're applying to be you know, an installer? Uh, items like this. Um, so I did a quick sniff test of the resumes coming in and I thought, hey, if I were the hiring manager, would I be happy to interview this person for this job? Are they a good candidate? Uh, and we found that, you know, on average, 60% of the applicants were qualified. Um, so yeah, compared to my uh, uh, applicant streams, that's fantastic. I would say mine's closer to 25% for uh, new technologists or, um, you know, new website designers. That's fantastic. So, you, um, yeah, great context, and and thank you for making that you know just available for for all those that are out there struggling with that right now. So you said builtrightdigital.com slash hiring, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the step by step instructions to get in front of these certified vinyl installers who also like D and D. That'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be perfect. Hopefully you get fewer candidates like me and more candidates like your ideal installer. <laughs> there we go. 
Well, Kevin, this has been great. I think, uh, you know, fantastic insight into what is going on, um, you know, in in the industry, what that bleeding edge is on lots of different fronts and, and how many industries, technology, construction, you know, all this is really going to converge more and more versus uh, be siloed. So uh, this has definitely opened my eyes and I think will we'll listeners as well. So I'm curious, uh, we like to ask this question frequently for someone looking to uh, get into the construction industry, a young person looking to get may be interested in construction or a young person with uh, other skills looking to maybe serve the construction industry. Uh, what's some word of advice you would give them, some feedback you would give them on this space, and uh, what what should they be trying to learn or be paying attention to? Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate the nuance there. Um, I think a lot of folks um, just historically look at the construction industry and they see specifically our operations departments um, where they understand like, hey, if I want to work in the construction industry, I can install roofing or I can install siding. Uh, and that's really the roles that are available. And that contributes to a lot of the um, uh, the slant in our industry towards, you know, there really aren't a lot of um, uh, ladies in our industry yet. It's a phenomenal industry for women to be in. Um, you know, the uh, average compensation is fantastic. It's a lucrative industry. Mm-hmm. If that's what motivates you, um, you get to, you know, you you literally at the most fundamental level, you make your customer's life better. Uh, you make their home more secure and more dignified. It's an honorable trade to be in. Um, so whatever motivates you to be here, I think the construction industry provides that for a hugely diverse swath of people. But folks get lost in the, uh, you know, when they think construction, uh, they think installer. And there's actually all kind of, you know, uh, talents that the construction industry badly needs. Uh, installer is one of them. And that's a fantastic industry to get in. If you're thinking about it, there's never been a better time. Um, there's paid apprenticeships. There's, uh, if you just want to get a feel for it, walk onto a Habitat for Humanity build site. You want to learn how to install windows? They need windows installed, so you can absolutely get a taste for this industry um, in a in a real flexible way that all that you know you don't have to commit uh, before you try it out. Um, but I think a lot of folks who are not currently considering the industry will find a really comfortable and a a, a really great career here. Um, so just getting the word out, getting the apprenticeships, getting those enrollment numbers up, uh, and kind of I think it uh, I think it really fundamentally involves. We've just got to persuade folks who are not in this industry yet uh, that it's an honorable trade. You know, folks celebrate when their kids get scholarships to go to college. Um, I've never been told by a proud parent, hey, my kid got a scholarship to become a tradesperson. Uh, That's what an apprenticeship is. They pay you cash to do it. Fundamentally, it's the exact same thing as a scholarship. Better even, you're you're, uh, already acknowledged as a minor expert in the field because you're you're out there installing stuff. Uh, so we just need a cultural shift to acknowledge that uh, and really value it as, uh, you know, it'll start in this industry, but we should persuade our friends in other industries to, to kind of carry that torch for us as well. Yeah, I love that. Regardless of what uh, the reputation some have contributed to to building for some segments of our industry. Um, bottom line, the opportunity out is out there every day. Uh, we try to embody this in how we operate of serving people, uh, loving people while providing shelter, uh, like you said, make their life better uh, yep. tangibly day in, day out, which is really, really cool. Something I enjoy about being here. So I'm, I'm sure there's folks out there who haven't even considered this industry, who once they realize what it entails, it's going to gel like nothing. Well, thank you for your passion and, and what you're doing to promote that in the industry and, and bringing your skills to really be moving us forward, all of us, uh, and playing a key part in that. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on to talk about it. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, though, uh, and we'll you know uh, give people a chance, give you a chance to uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, but one thing uh, that we enjoy wrapping up our episodes with uh, is our rapid fire question round. Where rapid uh, fire. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm ready. I haven't prepped at all. There's no way to prep. I am right. Exactly. We my rapid fire face. I'm ready. <laughs> there we go. This is serious. Maybe a little silly. Kevin has no idea what we're going to ask him. So brave for uh, jumping in here. So we appreciate oh, it. This is the fun part. So first question. We have uh, we have seven of them. So we'll we'll roll through these. First question. Favorite toothpaste brand. Toothpaste brand. Uh, Colgate. Had to think about it. My wife buys it, so it's my favorite. <laughs> there we, I live in a divided house. My wife is Colgate. I'm uh, Crest with Scope. Uh, will always, will always be probably. But, uh, favorite U.S. city other than the one you live in, which I believe right now you live in the Chicagoland area, right? Oh yeah, okay. I would have said Chicago too. Hmm. I'm gonna tell you this is this is a little bit of a story. It's Normal, Illinois. Oh my, uh, small town. Uh, it's actually now home to the new Rivian plant. Uh, oh, so wow. strangely, uh, it is um, one of the meccas in the United States for electric vehicle development. Uh, but I lived there for nine years, and I'm from the south side of Chicago. Okay. Not sure if you've ever been there. I wouldn't blame you for not visiting. <laughs> People are... <laughs> Driven around the south side of Chicago. That's <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm thinking then. People are not on the south side of Chicago quite like they are in normal Illinois. Normal Illinois, I lived there for about nine years. Uh, they are small town nice, and they showed me like what community means. So I wish them all the success with their new, uh, you know, they're, they're an up-and-comer and a hugely profitable um, uh, new made-in-America uh, technology industry uh so i'm watching them with bated breath i wish them all the success in the world normal illinois is my second favorite town in the u.s fantastic if you were to teach a high school class what subject would you teach gotcha. i taught college classes i actually didn't mention that okay uh but dur during uh you know uh completing my master's in statistics i taught statistics coursework uh that's often just baked into the programs mm -hmm. uh so I guess civics. Civics is what I would teach. Okay, very cool. Other than construction disruption, of course, uh, what are some podcasts you really enjoy and are listening to? Ooh, so there are oh, a bunch of good ones. Uh, on the industry side of things, so uh, Grasso U publishes I'm a Closer. Um, that one's fantastic, for particularly for your sales team and your ownership teams. Um, just a lot of wisdom to be imparted there. Uh, one of the folks, I believe I met them through the, um, through the Grasso U network. Uh, that's who introduced me, but, uh, Echelon Front with, uh, you might have heard of Jocko Willink, mm -hmm. um, uh, former Navy SEAL, uh, applies a lot of like, um, his military experience to like business leadership in just really exciting ways. Uh, so Echelon Front is great. Um, and then Tony Hody, uh, produces a, uh, podcast as well. That's his, his guests are outstanding, um, very sales and marketing focused for the home improvement industry, but that's kind of the, the space I circulate in. So uh, whenever uh, new episodes come out for those platforms uh, and newly, uh, construction disruption. <laughs> I just started listening. I actually bought Mark Mitchell's book uh, not two hours before this. That talk was fantastic. Uh, you know, the the wizard of uh, uh, channel marketing. Yep. Yeah, Mark. It's, it's a good book. Guy. Yeah. Mark Mitchell. Yep. The Wizard with a Wizard with an H. With right? an H. There wizard with an H. The Wizard. <laughs> I think that's what I called my son when he was about two years old or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, question number four or five. I lost track. Coffee or tea? Coffee all day long. Black. How do you take it? I used to be a barista, so when you're a barista, you tend to take your coffee as just espresso and water. Fantastic. Although I, I do have oat milk in here, so we're, uh, uh, my, my wife civilizes me in so many ways. She's got me <laughs> off drinking black coffee because that's barbarous, so she freshens it up and oat. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, what's your ideal outside temperature? Whatever the temperature is at the summit of a mountain in Colorado right now. So 50 degrees, 60? A nice chilly alpine hike. Cool. Very cool. Last question. Scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? Perfect 10. Never been in an accident. <laughs> it's one of those stupid human skills. I'm very excited about automation technology. 
I'm going to be that 90 year old who refuses to do self driving because I think I'm better than the robot. There you go. Good deal. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, that makes us feel better that we we can all have our holdouts regardless of uh, what we're doing <laughs> right. and what we're excited about. So. Thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. This has been great. A fantastic guest. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to touch on before we wrap up? No, honestly, this I I, I love the podcast format, really long form, in-depth conversations. Uh, other than reading a book, I don't think there's a way to get into uh, the level of detail that we've just talked through, like, you know, uh, recent industry developments in. So, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, loved having you. Uh, so Kevin McKenzie of Built Right Digital. Obviously, people can get in touch with you for a full array of digital marketing yeah. and uh, and web development um, services. Is the website the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, visit the website. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Kevin McKenzie. Uh, the co-owner of my company is Tony Morelli. Um, we go out of our way. Like I, I view my responsibility to the industry is to share uh, great news like this podcast. So we're constantly sharing good, informative content. Um, uh, and that's my, I owe that to everyone uh, here to do. We don't charge money for advice. So if ever you have a question where it's like, hey, I just need a digital expert to put their eyes on this, feel free to reach out to us. We, we view that as that's our responsibility to you guys for giving us such a you know fantastic opportunity to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. That service perspective, uh, it does not go unnoticed and uh, look forward to um, knowing you in the industry for a long, long time. So thanks you so bet. much. Thanks to all of you who have are watching or listening to this episode of Construction Disruption with Kevin McKenzie of Built Right Digital. Uh, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have many more great guests on tap. Uh, and don't forget, please leave us a review on op Apple Podcasts or wherever uh, you are listening to your podcast uh, today, YouTube as well. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, God bless. Hope you have a wonderful day. And this is Isaiah Industries signing off of this episode of Construction Disruption. Oh.